Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Decision Hour. Folks, we got another great show lined up for you today. Listen carefully, take notes, and and pay attention. You 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 you. This is one you don't want to miss. Pay very close attention to what we have in store. And I said, yeah, I said we. <sighs> and and this is. Uh, I'm, I'm, as you can hear it laughing, so you probably know what's what I'm about to say. I brought on my friend Heather Dobson. And Heather, I don't know how you keep convincing me of letting you come on and guest host, but here here we are. I've just infiltrated the show. Here, here, here we are. So I know what it is. It's because I bring on really cool guests. You 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 know what? That's exactly what it is. Other than you being cool yourself, you got some really cool friends and you bring on some cool guests. And without uh, further ado, why don't we tell everybody, let's jump right into it. What do we got today? Yes. So we have a super sensitive, extremely important topic today. And this is a new friend of mine. Her name is Erica Chadwick. Okay. And she runs a company called TAC Mobility, T-A-C Mobility.net. And I just was introduced to her a couple of weeks ago. But when I heard about what she was doing mm-hmm. and who she is, I was like, holy shit, we have to have her on the show. So, Erica, thank you for very last minute getting on the, the show with us. Welcome. And being open to, to talking with us. I am super pumped when you were like, listen, we need to do this ASAP. That's usually me going like, no, 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 we need to schedule this. Like we got to go. So (laughs) I'm, I'm here for it. Yeah, I, I love it. So, so Adam, the reason why this is such an important topic today is because Erica transcends some various lines here. And it's a really important conversation that I want to have with her and put it out into the world. Okay. So Erica, is a black woman who provides services and supports law enforcement. <laughs> I love it. I awesome. mean, it's a and and we're going to have that conversation today about that how that came to be and what she's doing now because what she's doing now for law enforcement is amazing and we've got to get the story out there. Okay. So Erica, what I what I would like to do is kick it off with the story of you before and after you went through some uh, simulated training. This is a Vertra training, which is uh, what law enforcement officers go through that are the shoot, no shoot scenarios. So just give a little bit of that background, Erica, and how that impacted you. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I've always kind of like felt in the middle of any world that I've found myself in, right? You mentioned that I'm a black woman, um, but I'm multiracial. So I've always sort of kind of been doing my own thing, not really um, felt at home with either, you know, people who were white or people who were black. So I kind of already had that mentality of like, I can be alone and I can figure this stuff out. Okay. So I started working for um, a law enforcement manufacturer, like within the industry. So switchblades, stuff like that. I would go to different conferences, sell knives, meet cops, hang out. Things are fine. Things are cool. We become buddies. Um, And around 2016, uh, there was so many news things that were happening, right? Like shootings with officers and unarmed black men were like, 
at the top of everybody's list. It's what everyone wanted to hear about. It was kind of like the genesis of, of things being like blown um, to like these global proportions. So I'm listening to what's happening on the news and what was really odd or what felt unusual is that it didn't match up with my experiences that I was having with police officers, with the individual officer. So I went through, um, I was at a conference one year and it was through virtual, which if you're not familiar with it, get familiar with it. It's a simulated training program where they have these interactive screens. So it's like 320 degrees of screen. So you, there's multiple scenarios that they will put you through. Um, and I remember going through the training and I got finished or after I was finished with it, I walked out of the simulator and I just burst into tears because everything that I had thought about, like, why can't you just shoot him in the leg? Or like, why can't you aim for the arm? Or like, why, why do you have to shoot to kill? All of those arguments didn't matter because I didn't have the time to even process through, oh, maybe there's a less lethal way. It was like my body just reacted and I didn't have any control over it. So when I walked out, I was forever changed because I had had been exposed to this different lens of the story, this totally different perspective. And it was that like experiential, you're in it. <laughs> so afterwards I was like, holy shit, like people don't know about this. Like, this is, how are you, how do you have time? And then, and, and then are you okay after something like that happened? Right. Like, are you okay? Like that was really, I'm really stressed out and sweating and you guys seem to be fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I think this this goes right in in, in alignment with another conversation that, that Adam and I recently had um, with a sheriff from New Mexico and talking about the perspective that the general population has of the work that law enforcement officers do or what they're involved in is just, it's skewed, right? They just don't understand what it is and, and and I really admire that one you you went through the the exercise and two that you're so open and honest about how it shifted your perspective yeah. and then how it spurred the next thing uh, what you're working <laughs> on now by the way Erica works for um, Ravencraft tactical Ravencraft. Uh, Ravencrest, sorry, Ravencrest Tactical here in Arizona, which is a knife manufacturer, really amazing, awesome blades. Um, Adam, you and I have been talking about some edged weapon training, yeah. and I know that now you're going to need a new knife yeah. and all of that. So <laughs> I know where you know, I'm going. Could, yeah, support local to Arizona, shop small. Like, yeah, um, really. And the the, um, uh, the the dude who owns it, um, Nathan, uh, solid, solid dude. Um, so Erica, let's talk about, um, uh, there's, there's a couple of things definitely I want to talk about here. One is Adam, you should know about Erica. She's a little bit of a hippie, you know, first of all, okay. First of all, <laughs> you can't say that you can't just, you're like my listeners are military. You can't fucking say I'm a hippie because then it just throws it out the window. <laughs> I know, but here's like, the thing. <laughs> is that I'm kind of like closet hippie in, in some aspects of my life. And so, yeah, a lot of the listeners are <laughs> Adam's like, it's not so secret. Yeah. It's, let's be honest. <laughs> As she has plants in the back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> I have my candle burning yeah. back here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's got her candle. <laughs> like, we've got the, 
you got to get in the right mood, you know. I got, and I got nothing. Adam's, Adam's looking Shit. around for something. Something alive. Yeah, right. here's, but here's why. Like, I, I, here's why I spring it on, on, on our audience that way is because, like, this is a progressive, the knowledge that she has and the, the new information that she has access to about our brains and our bodies and how they react to stress and stress over time and stress in the moment is just unfucking believable and so some people associate that kind of stuff like i'm not going to meditate because i'm not a hippie right like i'm not gonna yeah. like what i'm not yeah. gonna practice mindfulness because what's that gonna do like i'm telling you this woman knows and has the answer and i am a hundred percent behind what she is doing having come from the law enforcement world still being involved in law enforcement my boyfriend's daughter is a brand new cop and immediately when i saw this website and the, what she's doing like i sent it to her and was like you have got to like please look into this so erica let's talk about how mm -hmm. your experience with with virtra the simulator spurred this this next step in what you're doing and that's with tack mobility controlling the mind and the machine yeah so so after i did the virtue thing i really just capitalized off the fact that i've been around cops for so long and they're just so used to me being like their kid sister that everyone that i would ask questions to, they were more than happy to answer. So I actually spent about four years interviewing officers after conferences, when we're hanging out, having beers, kicking it, doing whatever. Then I created an actual survey that officers could fill out, which I now have. Um, and any officer that comes across my work, you can take the survey and that helps build the program. So I spent a lot of time just going like, tell me about your experience. What am I missing? What don't we know? Help me understand, because this doesn't make any fucking sense. But there's also some stuff that you guys don't see, right? The law enforcement culture doesn't know about because any culture, when it feels under attack, sort of like pulls itself, like pulls one another towards itself, right? You kind of, you hunker and you become protective. And so it disallows you to address um, the fractures um, that are within your community because it's this constant defense, right? So I kind of snuck in under the radar, like, hey, and once I started compiling all this information, I'm like, you guys, y'all are fucked up. <laughs> like, you may be telling me that you're fine, but you're fucked up. Your families are falling apart. You are, an al you guys are alcoholics. You guys are broken and stiff and your backs hurt and your knees hurt and you're on blood pressure medication. You have ulcers and you're, but no, I'm fine. I'm fine. No, no, you're not fine. Yeah. But because, you know, there hasn't been a group of people who've, who've been able to understand your culture enough. It's always been someone from the outside that's just giving you what they think you should do right. without understanding how your job actually works and how, they, how to apply small bits of new information to a large machine that's like this large boat that's already in motion and that being law enforcement. So um, I kind of came in and just started making information accessible. I can't talk to you about, you know, in, in the hippie world or in the feelings world, they would call it mantra, which is you just repeating a statement, uh, basically what you want to feel or maybe what you want to think in hopes of training your brain to learn different, right? So in this program, I call them brain commands. So there's just a lot of accessibility issues that have been what's kind of kept 
um, both worlds far away from one another. And now I get to introduce healing and recovery to law enforcement, to military, to first responders in a way that they're like, oh, that makes sense. Like, oh, you understand my job. Oh, you get why I drink. Like me going on ride-alongs and finding out that there's like a real a real space of time that you have to have in order to calm down and get to a place of security and safety. And if you don't have that, then it doesn't make any sense for me to give you options that yeah. would require it something different. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's a, you know, I think it's, it's probably pretty well known that in the law enforcement community, especially like the, the, the rate of divorce is very high. Um, there's a lot of health issues that can be directly attributed to stress, even if people don't see the direct connection outside of like, outside of like sitting in a patrol car for extended periods of time, like that is, does one thing to your body, but then this, this continued level of stress or like this instant onset of, of new stress introduced into the system. And then, okay, well, I'm done with this. I got to go to the next call. So at the end of the shift, this is kind of what you're talking about. You know, generally law enforcement officers work a 10 hour shift and then they go home. And if they don't have a, a significant other or a spouse or someone who, who works in law enforcement, that other person has no concept of what that shift was like, what the work was like. And that person is just going on about their day, right? Talking about whatever it is, you know, the car payment needs to be made, the kids need to be fed, whatever, and not affording um, the officer or first responder, because this is is true for firefighters and paramedics too, like just that space to to decompress. And this, this is such a topic that is near and dear to my heart because me being military, former military, former law enforcement, and being a woman, and the way I was raised is you just don't show weakness. You don't show weakness and asking for help or admitting that you need help or, mm-hmm. or admitting that you feel like shit and you're not sure what's going on is can be perceived as weakness, right? So moving past that many, many years ago, moving past that and recognizing that we all need each other and the better we can provide this type of knowledge and education to our law enforcement officers, our first responders as a whole, but specifically right now, law enforcement officers about stress inoculation and how to remain calm before, during and after a situation can lead to better positive outcomes for law enforcement as a whole. Yeah, and I think if people don't if people don't understand that there's stuff that's happening underneath the surface at all times whether you're on your way to work or you get to work and you're filling out paperwork or you're sitting in your patrol car, your baseline of hypervigilance of stress is higher than the average person just because you're wearing your uniform and you have all these past experiences and you have all of you know, what your shift might entail, you've all that stuff going on. And then if you add a hot call to it, that's going to make your stress levels even higher, right? So understanding that all of that is in play for years and years and years, (laughs) if you don't know that that's happening, then it doesn't make sense why you'll have angry outbursts. Doesn't make sense why you want to isolate. Doesn't make sense why you have so many negative feelings all the time or where you feel like you're a piece of shit. Doesn't make sense. Yeah. But 
that's where some of these newer sciences and the power again of accessibility, being able to like bring you something that you can hear and understand that it it's going to help so many issues. Like if, if black America is wanting to see a less violent police force, we want to see police officers deescalate and do all types of things. We have to understand that if we're not working with whole people, healed people, people who are in recovery, we're not going to get the outcome that we want. And so we're going to get shitty policies that make no sense, that make public feel good, but that do nothing and waste money and leave officers with less resources to get the support and training that they want and that they need. So I think that if everybody can feel better, we can do better. There, there's no reason that we have to keep doing this back and forth stuff. So coming together and sharing those experiences and allowing each other to see from different lenses and also understanding how trauma impacts the every, every single human. It's just like we're learning that in the world is trauma information helps us to like avoid situations, right? If you know that your spouse had is, is a police officer and they had a few hot calls or they had a death notification, how is that going to inform your conversation? Right? Right. You're not going to be at them because yeah. you, you know, you know you, that they need that. And then the same thing, if you're an officer and you know that you're, spouse's world is made up of like nice people that buy them <laughs> yeah. coffee drinks all the time and play dates you coming with the world is so shitty and the world is so awful you've got to inform yourself of other people's experiences right and and adam really what what erica is doing here is creating a, a generational impact yes and, yep. and, and I, from the very beginning, learning about this before I even talked with her, like just realizing what a profound effect that this has generation, both, mm -hmm. both width and depth, because if you're training and teaching and providing the information to, to officers to learn how to better manage stress or to better take care of their body right. and, mm -hmm. you know, learning that sustaining yourself on a 10 hour shift drinking nothing but energy drinks is not what you should be doing like you 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 start to understand that you're going to prolong prolong the life of the officer right. which has an impact on that officer's family and friends and community outside of the job that they do right. and if you're providing this training so that the officer you're preventing suicides just think about that kind of impact that it has on the children or the spouse or, or, or all of that. Like this is such important work. I cannot stress it enough how behind this I am and how, how needed this is both for current law enforcement officers, for people who want to go into law enforcement and for the community of retired law enforcement officers. Because the people you have now who are mm -hmm. in the retirement community are the ones who for 20 years, 30 years have been like, I don't need anything. I'm fine. Everything's good. I'm just going to compartmentalize it and push it down. And then they leave law enforcement and then they're, then they fucking fall apart yeah. in various ways. Or they explode. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I think too, like not thinking about in my mind, when I hear retired, I think of like the average officer in whatever late in the 
you know, in later age that's retiring. But there's so many officers that I work with now who are retiring or they're going on light de- like desk duty, yeah. which that might as well feel like the same thing. And so if, if we don't teach officers how to create identity outside of being a police officer, if we don't teach them about all of the stress that a life or career of um, approaching conflict, right, and mm-hmm. approaching other people's stress hormones and sorting through other people's lives, if we don't talk about the emotional impact that that'll have on your psyche, nothing is going to change. And I think that, I think the cops are ready. I, that's what I'm hearing is like, like when George Floyd happened and they're like, we want to talk. And I'm like, so listen, the rest of the world is not going to wait anymore. And so (laughs) there's really not like, you're going to have a lot of like backlash. And so that's what I'm seeing is a lot of people are like, man, I like, now I'm burnt out. Now I'm burnt out on the conversation. Now I'm done being beat over the head with it. Now I'm sick of change. And that's the cycle that it always gets into. If there's, right. if there's not something that intercepts the cycle. Right. And I think that officers have to be the ones here where they take control of their own lives, like have some autonomy and be like, I'm not doing it. But again, that can't happen. If you're too tired, you're yeah. not going to do it. <laughs> you don't care. Yeah. I think it's, um, it's, it's, I think the timing is right. It's absolutely needed. I, I do think that there's a, just a, a shift that that's coming. If it's not here already, the, the shift is coming and it doesn't have to be, you know, like this whole perception of it's this touchy feely thing and you're going to mm-hmm. make me talk about my emotions and you're going to try to make me cry and, and, and that mm. kind of stuff. Like, <laughs> you know, and, and you know, I mean, Adam <laughs> is, is an army vet, you know, I, like, you know, Erica, because you're surrounded by law enforcement officers, like it's yeah. a very type A macho culture. And, yeah. and we're not trying to diminish that because you need a certain personality type to do the kind of work that law enforcement requires. Right. That's absolutely right. I love that you mentioned that because I think that a lot of the world, and this is kind of where I'm coming from, I see like glitter and unicorns everywhere. So <laughs> the concept of like bad people existing is just crazy to me. That being said, that world still exists. And yeah. so if, if we do, if there are people, regardless of why, if there are people who are going to be dangerous we we also can't just ignore that we also want that taken care of right right Right. and i think that there's just so many different like trauma cycles that are happening um that was one of the things that you and i talked about heather is like something that that my community communities of color and then also low-income individuals and communities there's this cycle of poverty cycle of criminality cycle of parenting cycle of of growing up that we find ourselves in. And that's just the human condition. That's just how we work as humans. So if we don't know that, that, that we are thinking a certain way, then we also won't know that we have the power to create situations, right? So like example, cop pulls somebody over, the person that they're pulling over may be totally innocent, but if the frame of reference in their mind is all of the sensationalism that's on the news and, and you grew up with stories and you don't know that there's another way, you'll get right back into that cycle and you'll hear, right? That's what we see on the news is you hear people kind of like kicking back or like talking back to officers and things escalate and then things get out of control really fast or vice versa. If officers don't know um, that maybe um, certain areas are patrolled or over patrolled based off of the way that things used to be in policing 30 years ago. 
then you're also playing into these same cycles without knowing that you have the power to change how things go. Yeah. I you know she said something there and it, it kind of resonated with me like it sounds like there's still a lot of stereotyping going on in, in the world doesn't matter what mm-hmm. side of the spectrum you're on yeah. it 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 happens and um you know coming to a, a middle ground where where I, I would love to just say, you know, in a perfect world, as you said, like glitter and unicorns, like, like <laughs> you, you wouldn't, you Join wouldn't, us. you wouldn't, I paint a picture, right? Yeah, 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 there you go. It's, uh, it, it, you know, in a perfect world, you, you wouldn't have the, the, the stereotype, you know, and, and, and it's, it's sad that we live in a world still, even today, um, where the stereotype is still being played out right in front of our eyes. And I, and I think in a, in a lot of situations, it's, it's the mainstream media is probably highlighting a lot of it that more so than it, than it really is being done. But it's, it's one of those things where, Hey, that's a story. It's caught, it's, it's mm-hmm. producing con more conflict, more stereotype. So it's allowing us to keep our jobs and, and report on a certain perspective that fits their narrative, what have you. Um, but no, that's, I, I mean, that's, I, I hear that in what you're saying and I, and I like the fact what you're, what you're trying to do is, is really kind of bring people together. Well, that, that'd be great. You know, I, I, well, more of it needs and I to think get done. That, well, and I think that what I've learned is there's so many things from law enforcement and white people in general that I can learn from, but because of the way that my brain is set up, the way that I was raised, those are my hurdles that disallow me to learn stuff from you, right? So yeah. I've been going to, in Gilbert, we've got these protests. One side is BLM, one side is back the blue. And they just yell shit at each other for an entire night. Yeah, it Just this crazy, and one side is like, fuck you, Nazis. And the yeah. other side is like, fuck you, Antifa. And it's just this <laughs> constant whatever. But the stereotypes exist when no one wants to address where they came from. Right. Well, it, my my question so, is when you when you're doing stuff like that, the back and forth as you as you, the protest, what are you what are you getting accomplished out of that? Other than you're wasting time, you're not doing anything constructive or positive on on either side of it. Now, bring the parties to hey, stop the protest. Let's set up a card table here and let's let's talk about it. Like how can we how can we work together? Exactly. And that's exactly what Erica has been doing. So this is in in Gilbert, Arizona where it was initially you know, someone from the local community started the Back the Blue rally in front of City Hall, and then it became, then BLM shows up. And so, Erica, talk a little bit about what kind of work you've been doing at those events. I guess I'll call them events. Yeah, I just show up and I go from side to side and I just ask people why they're there. Like, because everyone has something negative to say about the other side. So one of the recent questions that I've been asking is, what is it that the other side doesn't understand about you? Wow. I mean, like, think what about is this. Adam, Drop the mic right there. That's like that's yeah. gold right there. Yeah. yeah. Okay. What's what? What are the issues you have with police? Okay. Police actually are kind of like the low hanging fruit of our government, not in a disrespectful way, but in a just like hierarchy way. And so we have the power to actually bypass the police. And so I'm going to go to the town council and ask them to create some initiatives and talk to them about what we want. What does that look like for you? What do you want to see happen? Or what are your concerns as a citizen of this town? And surprisingly, no one has an answer. Yeah. 
Right. And that helps me understand that this is a trauma. This has to do with trauma, right? I'm out there and I watched this, this veteran, she was on the back of the blue side and she's yelling in this microphone or this megaphone. And she's hysterical talking about how she died for that flag that they're wanting to burn. Right. And I'm going that side over there. I grew up with no sense of patriotism. It doesn't do anything to me when I see a flag, not in a disrespectful way, but in that I never, I was never raised to care about it. And, and so that's associated with a certain type of individual when I was growing up, look like a skinhead. Okay, so that means that to be patriotic means that you're a little racist, right? Or, or when she's standing there talking about how how she's in so much pain and she did this and that, no one is hearing you because they don't they don't know that you died for that. They don't they don't understand the correlation. They don't they're not doing what you think that they're doing. And also, like no one gets to hear your pain, and you also don't get to process through the pain that you're feeling that you made that sacrifice. So. So going out there is, it's a way for people to feel like they have, um, like they're protecting themselves. And, and I appreciate that, but it's just not productive. And I'm, and I'm, I am personally past unproductive things. So I wanted to go there and say, Hey man, if you want to, if you, and I actually hijacked both of their PAs, the two times that I've gone out there and just say, if you have issues, if you want to support the police, please know that overtime shifts like this actually increase their stress and it takes them away from their families. And, and also bringing ARs to an event like this increases liability that increases their stress level. So let's factor Let's take into consideration some of those things. If you want to talk about your pain, write it down in this journal for me and I'll think about it later. So there's a lot of things that people just, they just want to get out there and feel right and and that's the direction that the world has taken is it's it, this is these are feelings issues so if if more people have the opportunity to express how they're feeling or get out of their bodies how they're feeling if that stuff isn't isn't trapped in there then we can get to like the real good stuff i think so i want to back up just just a, a minute here because i i, I want to make sure that we do not gloss over this that the actual action that Erica is taking at these events, that she is there putting herself literally in the middle of these groups and working to facilitate a conversation. She's going out there as this neutral party because of her worldview and what, what she's experienced on, on all ends of the spectrum. But to have the courage and the commitment and the bravery to do that is fucking phenomenal, Erica. <laughs> and it is so, it just shows to, it should, I hope it shows to the world, to everybody who's listening, that you do have a true commitment to, to yeah. what you're doing, to what you believe in. And I, I cannot applaud you enough for that, for I, taking that action. That I, is the difference between what you are doing and what the masses are doing. The masses are yelling, like you said, they're, they're, these are feelings issues or these are trauma issues and they're mm -hmm. making a lot of noise, but they're not mm -hmm. taking any action. And so mm -hmm. I wanna make sure that, that you understand that, that I completely applaud you for that. I appreciate that, man. It's uh, definitely, it's, it's interesting to see and it's a little bit nerve wracking and it's a little bit scary, but man, I think that 
I think that there's a lot of good stuff. Um, Virtua actually, they're helping me put together this kind of community roundtable. So we're going to put some people who are, you know, that lean more on the BLM side um, and people that are, you know, more on the back of the blue or the right side, whatever, and put everyone through the virtual simulator and then have a conversation. I absolutely believe that there are some really, really smart people. And when you realize that you're not under attack, we can create some effectual, like effective, productive change. I really believe that. I believe it too. This is this hearing this right now. It's like, you know, (laughs) 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 it's so fun. It's so freaking fun. And I love what I'm doing because people are ready. People, that woman that was out there yelling, those people that are out there with their ARs, they're doing it because they're, they're, they were there protecting the businesses because of what they're seeing on the news or like, you're not going to take my land. You're not going to take my freedom. If people understand like in a true way that, that they're not under attack. Right. It's not That's really where we can that. find I, some I, of that common I, I see this and it, it, it <laughs> I'm smiling because it, it gives, it's like it gives people that are listening. And I hope the listeners feel this way as well. And I, and I, I think a lot of them will is that it gives them hope. <laughs> I mean, you know what that I mean? was, that's it there's the fact that you're going out there and you're kind of like in the neutral zone you know the referee if you will of of some type of 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 an event basically like you know of two opposing views and you're sitting there like it's almost like all right you guys are being kids how about we just sit down and let's let's hear each other out and get somewhere because Mm -hmm. clearly what's happening now isn't working and it, nope. and it and it needs to change. Yeah. And and, so you're, sides, and you're doing that. Yeah, and both sides say very similar things and that's the cool part is within each community like we humans aren't as special we're not as special as we think we are. Our problems aren't as special as we think they are. We're we're just not. So every community will have issues of security, yeah. finances, interpersonal issues, trauma, all kinds of that. So when I went to both sides and both had issues about education, I'm like, oh my God, do you know what these back the blue people are up to with like, you get money from the government to like teach your kids. And they're like, what? I go, yeah, we gotta go talk to these people over there, but no one's going to do it. Right. So like, I think, I think people are ready for change. There's just a lot of feelings in the way of it. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm so supportive. I'm into it. I'm, I'm here for it, Erica. And I want to talk a little bit about um, your website is tacmobility.net, T-A-C-mobility.net. Let's talk a little bit about the kinds of services you have. I know you have some in-service training. You have some online training. Talk about what are the things that are available to departments, to individual officers, and how we can help and, and support you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so, the, so the in-service training is... Um, it's a pretty basic lesson on helping officers kind of connect the mind body um, relationship. So how stress impacts your body, how it feels, how tight it is, um, chronic illnesses, how all of those things are connected. And then and then I start teaching them sort of basics about self-awareness and understanding personal triggers because 
you can't have a conversation about how to de-escalate jack shit if you don't know why <laughs> you are being triggered or what's at the root of what you're feeling, right? You can't quiet those feelings down if you don't understand them. And in the past, feelings have been such a scary and sort of like, uh, um, um, what word am I thinking of? Uh, uncontrollable type of thing that officers and military shut them out, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I can't let that sway me. And now we're understanding that your emotions aren't necessarily things you have to feel, but they're, it, they're guiding tools. It's your body alerting you to different things. So um, teaching officers how to understand themselves better will only create space for community engagement, right? So mm -hmm. we talked about, um, actually, I went on a ride along and we get there, this guy's super drunk, totally drunk. Officer that I'm with has about five minutes of patience. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? Afterwards, his buddies were like, dude, he, his, his, uh, kryptonite is our drunks. And he's like, what? No, they're not. And I'm like, if, if you've been an officer for 20 years and you don't know that your kryptonite is a drunk, then you're going to set yourself up for something that doesn't have to always take place. So I go in and I show them a little bit about how that works. I show them some stress inoculation tips, but those are based off of cold exposure. Um, they get practice on how to talk to one another in stressful situations, how to identify verbally what their partners or themselves are experiencing so that we can fix it. So we can go the opposite direction. Um, and then I, and then I bring in the physical component, which has been something that a lot of programs in wellness and recovery, um, don't really touch on. So, um, I can talk to you about how to de-stress or I can get you into a runner's lunge and we can do some deep breathing and your body will naturally open up. Okay. So there's a lot of cool science as to how your body wants to ground itself, which is what we call, um, kind of becoming present. So, um, one of the things I do with officers is our private sessions, and this is a really, really important service. My goal is that every officer in America gets access to free resources. And this check-in system is a way for you to get on a video call similar to this. And we're not there to talk about your feelings or what to do. We're there to get you into the present moment. And if we can be present, well, we can look around and notice that there's probably not a lot of danger. So if I can help you realize where you're at and get you out of the future and get you out of the past, then I believe that every officer is strong enough and has the power to create something good for themselves. Yeah. So do one of that. Yeah. One of the things I, I love so much about this is this, this truly is a mind body connection, the mind and the machine. It, so mm -hmm. this is not just all about feelings and emotions, but it's understanding that releasing that stress from the body, from getting up and doing a simple stretch, like getting out of your patrol car yeah. and stretching in a certain way, or, yeah. you know, keeping yourself healthy and uh, physically fit physical fitness and mental fitness go hand in hand. And this is something that I think slips for a lot of officers over time, right? Because you're working a 10 hour shift. It may take you an hour to get to the station. Right. That's 12 hours out of your day right there. And then if you have a family at home, like, you know, and, and I really, I want to, to, to see officers put more of a focus on mental and physical health, both. And yes. this, the, the simple thing of stepping out of your patrol car and stretching your hips yes. and stretching your backs yes. and, and yes. Yeah, um, I follow you on Instagram 
And I'm always just like, oh, like that's a super simple stretch. And she's got people, the officers are filming themselves doing it and sharing it. Like it's, yeah. it's, it's so freaking cool. So yeah. Let's talk about um, what you're doing with the jujitsu program. That is super rad. Um, I had a, an academy from California contact me and this guy is an officer at a Fresno police department and he created this arrest and control program that's part of the state mandated um, continuing education programs and he wanted to team up so we created this three-part mini series of basic jujitsu techniques for cops so these are ways to help you learn how to fall so that you're reducing your risk of injury but then also ways to create boundaries um, how to control um, an individual how to protect your body um, just things like that that help officers feel more equipped um but jujitsu also has this component that yoga does, which is um, it helps regulate your nervous system. You kind of talk, talked about, or we talked about stretching a little bit, but if people don't understand that your heart releases like 1400 chemicals when you're in a state of fight or flight, your body absorbs those chemicals in order to do stuff. So you're either moving or you're stressing or growing large and whatever. And if you're not metabolizing it or letting it work through your body, think about drinking a lot of water, it works through. If you don't do that, then that all kind of like builds up and it stays there, right? So when you go over to any of the social media accounts and you see the stretching, it's it's active recovery. It's not, oh, I'm just bored. I'm going to stretch. You're, you're taking care of your body because it is going through a chemical process underneath your skin. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's something that, that, that I can speak to personally, and I, I believe Adam probably can too, but this, um, you know, I, I have battled for a, a good portion of my life with depression, anxiety, and, and PTS. Like just, it's just, it's a, it's a constant, right? And, and understanding, I have developed such a strong self-awareness of when like today I'm having a bad day. Like I just know I'm having a down day and have my own mechanisms for, for managing that. But this is what you what you said about um, like the the heart releasing fourteen hundred different chemicals into your your body, like it's it's so true. And you when I was at the height of trying to figure out what the fuck was wrong with me, <laughs> that I would just like I mean I had some serious anger issues, and the um, the person I was I was dating at the time if I would get mad and he would just keep like well, what's wrong? Do you want to talk? And I'm like, get away from me, like get away from me. And it mm -hmm. finally was my counselor who said to him, when she's angry like that, her body dumps a shit ton of chemicals into her yeah. system. And that has to metabolize. Like she is not in a frame of mind to talk to you. And so you got to give her like 20 minutes or, or whatever. And it's yeah. so true it's so true and and this is why having these conversations having this knowledge available impacts people not just at work but in their daily lives in dealing with everybody the cashier at wherever their kids their wives whatever and it's just so critically important so know the jujitsu for um officers um, I, I know about this because I, I, you posted it on social and I jumped on it immediately. Um, so this is a, a business for Erica. She is also working on a 501c3 project right now. But this is these are services that are paid services that, that Erica offers. But she's always looking for 
partners, sponsors, all of all of that kind of stuff to help support the officers that are out there. So this um, jujitsu for officers program for $150, you can sponsor one month of this very specified uh, specific jujitsu training for officers. And so if you're a business out there and you there's something that you want to do, some way you want to contribute, you you can do that. And Erica will be happy to give you shout outs, all that kind of stuff. Um, I plan on doing more. I did one like immediately as soon as I saw that I was like, <laughs> yes, absolutely. Because you know, one, I want to show you, Erica, that I truly do believe in this. But two, like it's so important. Like I I want yeah. officers, I want it to be this accessible. To, to people. Yeah. And I just want to clarify, um, you're paying for an, an entire month of jujitsu classes and we're giving that cash to the officer. So if they want to take a class every single day at the academy by them, they can, as long as they're participating in the three part series, they will have access to that. And after taking two classes, two jujitsu classes, I feel confident in being aware of where my head is or how to stand up and hold on to someone. So these are skills that will, like you mentioned earlier, that generational impact, equipping an officer with confidence is a huge step in personal de-escalation. If you're not confident in yourself, your ability to control a situation, you're going to resort to your lowest level (laughs) or your highest level of training. And if that's nothing, then Yeah. yeah, exactly. No good. Erica, I could talk to you about this forever and ever. And I know that this is just the very beginning of, of the work that you're doing. And I'm, I'm so proud to, to know you and, and so su- supportive of this. Um, we're out of time, sadly. I, I'm, I'm at awe with this, <laughs> with this gal. I, I think it's really cool. I look forward to shaking your hand next time I'm down in Arizona. We're yeah. going to hug. Yeah. We're going to uh, hug. And, and, and I'm going to put some glitter in your pocket. I, I hope you, you better. I'm going to hold you to that now. I'm going to hold you to that now. I'm going to walk around and be like, sprinkle, sprinkle the glitter everywhere. I love it. But Erica, seriously, thank you so much. Thank you. I think it's you're great welcome. what you're thank doing. Thank you for having me. So, Heather? I'm all good, Erica. I appreciate your time. I'm glad that you're local because uh, there's definitely more conversations that that I want to have with you. Do it. All right, folks, that's it. That's all the time that we have. Before we let you go, you got to let you check out uh, the parent network that uh, that holds our, our show together. That's uh, Heroes Media Group. Uh, for those of you listening that are interested in becoming part of the HMG family, go to Heroes Media Group. Dot com. Until next time, you've been listening to The Decision Hour.